Travel Squad podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the Travel Squad podcast. So grab your ticket, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 61 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're taking you on our weekend road trip to Saguaro and Petrified Forest National Parks in Arizona. Ooh. Ooh. When we think of Arizona National Parks, most people probably think of the Grand Canyon, and rightfully so. It's an icon of the state. But Arizona has two other amazing, unique national parks that are not to be missed and overlooked. This was not a squad trip, but it was a weekender instead that Jamal and Brittany took. I've heard so much about this trip, so I'm super excited for them to share it with you guys too. These parks weren't even on my radar until I heard about them from Jamal and Brittany. Now they're high, high, high up. And by the way, when I said, ooh, that was because Brittany said petrified forest. spooky. But it's not really too spooky. Okay. Wow, I'm excited. Take us through it. Saguaro, which looks like it's pronounced Saguaro, but it's not, as well as the Petrified Forest National Park, are really unique places, and each of them are unique for their own reasons. Saguaro National Park is in the southern part of Arizona, and it's home to some amazing cacti. These cacti can grow to be over 40 feet tall, and they are so cute. And the Petrified Forest has really unique geological wonders where its ancient trees have actually been petrified and turned to stone. And when you said those cacti were cute, Kim, were you impressed by their girth and their length? The length, absolutely. (laughs) The protrusions. Mm, mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) But since this wasn't a squad trip and the two of you went on this trip together, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got there and, and some basic info for all of us? Yeah, so we actually flew into Phoenix, and Phoenix is about two and a half hours from Tucson, which is right near Saguaro National Park. And the park actually gets its name from the very large saguaro cacti that are native to the Sonoran Desert, and they don't naturally grow anywhere else. And these cacti are huge. They're the size of trees. Like Kim said, they can grow up to 40 feet tall. They can live up to 250 years. You said that they look like trees or they grow as tall as trees, but are cacti trees technically? They're not really trees, but it's almost like Joshua Tree National Park. They're actually trees, but they look like cacti in turn. So I feel like these are really cacti that actually look like trees. So it's almost that kind of opposite. Cousin of the tree. Yes, in a way, I guess, (laughs) but different family. Okay. I think one of the most fascinating things is that a saguaro cactus can take 50 to 100 years to grow an arm. When you guys told me that, I was just like, that's crazy. That's a long ass time. Yeah. I mean, they live up to 250 years, as we were saying. Their average lifespan is about 150. But when these grow, and that's something that's really cool, and we'll get to it when we talk about actually getting to the park, but they give you information of the life cycle of the cacti. 
And it pretty much starts as one giant protrusion <laughs> tall. Doesn't at all. And then, you know, <laughs> eventually it will form little buds and sprouts and create those arms. So it can have like one sprout, two sprouts, multiple sprouts. And obviously the more that it has, and then it becomes this really unique feature and they're just really incredible to look at. I mean, they are the largest cacti. I mean, when you think of cacti, you think of little small ones in the desert, but these are like the giant, really big ones. And like Brittany was saying too, nowhere else in the world do they grow naturally other than in the Sonoran Desert. Yeah, when I think about cacti, I think about Brittany and Kim's trip to Joshua Tree where you guys bought cacti for a dollar because they were no, so no, tiny. No, 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 no. Dig your own cacti for 59 cents. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, those are tiny little cacti. Yeah, they're like the size of a little gallbladder or they're something, cute. right? No, these are like 40 feet tall. I mean, they're just they're massive and impressive. Next to you. One massive. Stand next to them. Ooh. So we have a few tips for saguaro. Because it's in the desert, June and July are very hot months. So that probably wouldn't be the best month to visit. It's actually probably better to visit November through March due to the cooler climate. But the one downfall to that is it's more of a busy season because more people are going to enjoy the cool weather while you're there. Now, how busy is it like compared to busy national parks like the Grand Canyon? It's not busy. Mm. When Jamal and I went, we actually went in November and the start of their busy season. And we felt like we had a lot of the park to ourselves. Nice. Yeah, but you have to keep in mind, too, Saguaro National Park is actually between the city of Tucson. Originally, they were just normal protected areas like on the outskirts to the east and the west of Tucson. And eventually they became national parks. So interestingly enough, it's actually in two separate sections that don't connect. But, you know, right dab in the middle of it is the big giant city of Tucson. So I'm imagining the majority of their visitors are actually like locals and natives really to the area. Not so big because, again, like we were saying earlier, most people, if they're going to Arizona, national parks, they're probably going to Grand Canyon. So not terribly busy, but it's right dab in the middle, like right by a big city, too. So it probably gets that traffic as well. And then if you guys want to visit in April through June, the cacti bloom. And so that's another draw to the park as well. The only downside we saw is that there are rattlesnakes in the area. Did you see one when you were there? We did not. Did you hear it rattling around? We definitely did not know, <laughs> but you know, they rest assured are out there. I mean, it's the middle of the desert. I mean, there's even a lot of rattlesnakes here in San Diego. A lot of people don't realize that too. So I could only imagine out in the desert, more arid climate. There's lots of them. We didn't encounter them. So that was the good news, but do be mindful of that. And again, do you think that the rattlesnakes match the cacti in terms of size? I definitely do not think that at all. <laughs> you don't think there's no 40-foot rattlers uh, out there? No, I mean, they're going to range between uh, two to three feet and on the large size, five feet. So oh they got... God, that's they, huge. Are you serious? For rattlesnakes? <laughs> five feet? Well, yeah. that's on the large, large end. Normally, they're like oh two God. to three feet. But in terms of if a saguaro is 40 feet, then no, they don't rival anywhere near. In five length feet? Of that. I mean, that's bigger than Britney's I mom. Have... I don't even know if it's bigger than Britney. <laughs> I had no idea they were that big. I thought they were like be two feet that sounds they can i'm saying on the abnormal side of large they can be five feet so watch out for the rattlesnakes but moving right along (laughs) yes and so again it's the desert so another tip do be sure to have sunscreen 
even if you're going during the cooler seasons, Arizona's an arid climate, you're still going to have that sun shining on you, even if the weather is cooler. So definitely do protect yourself because you are out in the middle of the desert. And even though the cacti are so tall, they don't provide a lot of shade. So don't yeah, count on that. They're as tall as trees, but they ain't like trees. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so no plenty, shade. Plenty of water as well with you. And Absolutely. maybe for Jamal, some aloe vera. Yes. I mean, you know, I need to protect myself when I'm out there. So like Jamal said, there are two separate areas of the park. The first area is the Tucson Mountain District, and it's also known as the Western District, and it has a denser cacti population. So that's kind of one of the big draws to that area. And the other district is called the Rincon Mountain District, which is the Eastern District, and it has lesser cacti population, but it has the beautiful Rincon Mountains as a backdrop. And it only takes an hour to drive between the two areas so if you're in the area and you're visiting it's worth visiting both sides which is exactly what we did yeah you definitely got to see them both if you're there that's for sure i mean these parks in general are not more than a one-day adventure uh between both sides of them so you should definitely check out both that's number one and one thing that we forgot to mention just as well is you know, there is over 165 miles of hiking trails within the park itself. But again, it's the desert. So how much hiking do you really want to do? A lot of the trails which we're about to go over are actually designed for you to drive through the desert and they are actually paved and they're longer drive trails and you can see the scenery, stay comfortable in the air conditioning of your car. But if you do like to be rugged, some of those 165 miles of trails between both sides of the park can be ridden on horseback or you can actually ride on bikes. So depending on how adventurous you want to be, those are definitely options for you to do out there in the desert. Did you guys ride the horse? We, we did not. definitely did not. No. I did not cowboy it up Love in Arizona. <laughs> I know. We took the comfortable route in our car for the majority of it. So when we were in the Western District, which is also known, like I said, the Tucson Mountain District, we did do the Bajeda Loop Drive. And it's a six-mile scenic loop through the Mountain District. And it offers super incredible views of the Sonoran Desert Vistas. And it has lots of pull-offs for hiking. But one squad tip is to know that you need to drive it counterclockwise. And why is that? Just so that you get the amazing views in that direction. And so you also don't get traffic from any oncoming cars because it's very narrow. Yeah. And what's really cool is, I mean, these cacti, the saguaros, they are spread across certain areas all across Arizona, really. But when you get down here, they're in such high concentration. So even, you know, if you're flying into Phoenix and driving the two and a half hours that it takes to get to Tucson, you know, you are going to see these saguaro cacti along the interstate and you think, wow, I mean, there's so many of them. It's impressive. But then you get there and you just really see the high concentration that's in there and you're just like, oh my God, like I didn't realize there could be so many when I already saw so many just on the road. It's quite impressive to see. It sounds fascinating. Like truly, truly. I mean, it really is. I don't even want to fall into like a cacti that's, you know, one foot tall. I mean, could you imagine if you take a wrong step in these dense little cacti forest and you're falling into like two inch, three inch long needles of that cacti that's littered all over it? I was it's not good. That, yeah, because you know what? When you get 40 foot cacti, you get some big ass needles that you're not, <laughs> you're not going to find those type of needles on 59 cent dig your own cacti. No, you are. <laughs> you're not. So at one of the turnouts, we were able to actually hike a hike called Valley View Overlook Hike. And it was a very short hike. 
It's less than a mile round trip, but it offers really spectacular views of the saguaro forests, and you just can really get up close with the cacti. And it's just amazing to be photographed next to this towering cacti right next to you. We got some really great pictures, and it was just so beautiful out there in the desert. Yeah, it's really nice to actually do that hike and get out of the car and actually be amongst them. It's really interesting. You see them and you realize that they're large. And I would almost give it the same analogy of when you look at an airplane, when you're at the terminal and looking out, like, you know, it's big, but it doesn't really look big. And then you see somebody standing next to it and then you realize, oh, shit, man, that thing's actually really huge. That's what it was like when you were by the cacti, when you're able to do the hike on the Valley View Overlook. And so I do recommend, like, even if it's a hot day, when you go, it's such a short round trip hike, do it and actually get out amongst them in the desert. Did you guys touch the needles at all? Like, of course I attempted to touch absolutely. them. Why wouldn't I? I mean, curiosity. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't touch it. Well, it didn't kill the cat this time, but I definitely did feel the prick. It's mighty painful. You can also see um, when a cactus is dying, how fibrous and dense the insides are. And it's actually really interesting to see. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. But yeah, I mean, it almost looks like shredded paper when it's dying and you can see the opening of it. It's really cool and unique. Interesting. Aww. What makes a cacti die? Old age, not enough water. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, not a plant biologist. I, well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, oh, that's so sad, you know, like to have its sister right next to you dying. Well, they live a long life, 250 years. It has to happen sometime, I guess. <laughs> that is a pretty long life. Hey, travelers. We want to stop for a quick minute to tell you about a really exciting product we put together just for you. As you all know, we love getting you excited to visit places for yourself by sharing what we did and making it easier by giving you squad tips that we learned along the way. The Travel Squad has created something to provide even more value for you in addition to our episodes by detailing trip itineraries and comprehensive multi-page guides with everything you need to know to do the trip right. These itineraries include information on what to see and do in the area, where to stay, directions for the best routes, and even where to eat along the way, and we put them into these beautiful PDF guides just for you. We created itineraries for a week in Yellowstone and Grand Tetons, Big Island, Hawaii, and an itinerary for an American Southwest road trip. Woo! And so many more itineraries to come. We are so excited to announce that they are now available to purchase on our website. So go over to travelsquadpodcast.com to get yours today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Another hike that we did was called the Signal Hill Trail, and it's very short as well. It's only a half a mile round trip, but you walk over to a nice viewpoint and there are actually petroglyphs on one of the rocks and you can see those, which that's cool. It's really cool to see. Kim said that's cool. So I know she knows what petroglyphs are, Zaina. Do you putting you on the spot? Yes, it was at the Valley of Fire State Park That's in right. Nevada. It was like emojis before emojis were. <laughs> yeah, it was like ancient writing with pictures before there was actually written languages. So like they're caveman style writings on rocks. Yeah. And so they have them out here. And I found that to be like so impressive. And, you know, you mentioned Valley of Fire, which is a state park in Nevada by Vegas, out in the desert, kind of same like right yeah, here. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they're there, being that they were at the Valley of Fire yeah, too. Yeah, and then, but you just really think about it and you're just like, holy crap, man. Like when I'm there and in some place so hot, I think to myself, okay, yeah, there's the luxury of AC now of days. I sure as hell wouldn't want to live there and have it be so hot like all the time. And yet these <laughs> ancient cultures like lived and thrived in the desert with no AC, no shade. It's like, what did they do to survive? And the fact that they actually have that out there, I find to be so amazing. Amazing. It's humbling when you're out there. You think, mm -hmm. look at all these ancient cultures and how they survived out here in the desert amongst it. Definitely explains the loincloth as a tire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. And these petroglyphs are over 800 years old and they were drawn by the Hohokam people. But that's pretty much the west side of Saguaro National Park. Then you're going to make your way over to the east side. You're going to make your way through the city of Tucson. Maybe make a stop, maybe get lunch. Anything, I don't know. That's up you, to you. Did you guys stop or would you recommend anything in Tucson while you're on your way to the other side? We had actually drove in that morning, so we didn't do any stops in Tucson. We just drove right through to the other side. Yeah, because we had flown into Phoenix in the morning, rented the car, drove the two and a half hours south to Tucson to do that. And then afterwards, we were going to be driving north to get to the other national park, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So we didn't really allow ourselves time to just make a pit stop in Tucson mm, what a to miss. check it out. I know. I know. Because uh, movie quote, Tucson, here we come. Woo! Is that Romeo and Michelle's? That is Romeo and Michelle's. <laughs> I knew that. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I don't know what Tucson really has to offer, but I can tell you this. I enjoyed what nature Tucson had to offer, which was Saguaro National Park, and it did not disappoint. It so. sounds amazing. And you know what? I can't get over the fact that you said how, you know, people used to live out there. And part of me wonders, like, I know it had to have been hot. I know that. But at the same time, do you think that it could have been cooler due to the global warming that we're experiencing now? Uh, not much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was still a desert, but, you know, um. I don't know. So the eastern portion of the park is called the Rincon Mountain District, and we did the Cactus Forest Drive, and it's an eight-mile paved scenic loop through the Saguaro East area, and it's only a one-way trail, and it starts and ends at the Visitor Center, and it has really amazing views of the Sonoran Desert, and again, the Saguaro Cacti, and it has a lot of pullouts for photography, picnicking, walking, hiking, so much to see and do in this area as well. Yeah, and while the cacti aren't as dense on the eastern side here, it really does give you better views of the desert. So not that you didn't really see and realize you're in the desert on the western side, but this gives you just a more dramatic landscape. So it makes it even more unique than the other western side, just because even though they're the same with the cacti, it's different at the same time. Well, it has beautiful mountain views too. So you have like- Yeah, desert mountain views. 
desert in the bottom and then mountain views Mm. at the top, which is cool to see. And just so you guys know, listening, we are going to be linking in our show notes on our website, travelsquadpodcast.com. We're linking to resources for these national parks. You can actually see the cacti and the desert landscapes that we're talking about. So you can pull it up right now while you're listening. Perfect. So we feel like Saguaro is a one day trip. You can definitely spend more time in the area if you wanted to, but it can be seen in one day. About how long did you spend in both sides total? I would say probably five hours. Wow. Yeah. So like two and a half hours, like each side. And even though we said it had a lot of hiking trails, you know, I hate to say it, it's not like you see one cacti, you see them all really, but the trails really are those driving ones that we talked about on both sides. If you go during a hot time, a lot of the trails are little short ones off of those roads, little out and backs, and it does give you adequate experience out in nature amongst them themselves. If you were going to do it longer, I would say like you're either biking or doing those horse designated trails. So if that's your thing, then definitely you'll spend a little bit more time out there. What time did you guys wake up to start exploring? We flew out like 5 a.m. for a flight from San Diego to Phoenix, rented the car and then drove. So we were up. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, though, because you're out there with the sun in the desert as it's coming up. Exactly. It was perfect. I mean, you should have ridden a horse. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So from Saguaro, we drove four hours north and we stayed in Snowflake, Arizona. Snowflake, Arizona. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. It does snow in some parts of Arizona. That's very true, but... If it snows in Snowflake, I didn't see it, even though we were there in November. And we stopped here because it was a good town to stop in. And it was 40 minutes south of the Petrified Forest National Park. And Jamal and I went and got dinner out there at a steakhouse. Ooh. It was like, uh, it was wild out there. I mean, <laughs> I really don't know what more to say the than that. The steakhouse was wild? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, and it's not even like it's a bad thing. Just, you know, growing up, in California, not that we haven't eaten out in other places, but it was just different out there. I really don't know how to explain it. It was a unique experience well, dining. Was different? It, it's it's dining small... in like small America town. I mean, realistically, no one goes to Snowflake to just go to Snowflake. I mean, it, it is a pass through town. We stayed there because we had a long drive from Tucson and Saguaro. And this was close enough, but still not, you know, too long of a drive for us after that fact. And it would get us to Petrified Forest. So it was just dining in uh, a pass through town that probably has a small population. It was just mm. weird. You know, it's those but vibes. How was the steak? Steak was good. Steak was good. There's <laughs> no, no doubts about that. Ooh. Ooh. See, like when I think steakhouse, I think of Cattleman's from back at home. And that's like a Western style steakhouse with unlimited beans. That's what I think. Wow, about. I didn't know that. Yeah, unlimited oh my baked God. beans. When I and salad. yes, oh my God, how have I never eaten this? When <laughs> I think of a steakhouse, I think of something classy like Morton's Steakhouse. See, no, this is not it. This is like rugged America Steakhouse, and that's what I mean by different. I don't mean it like in a bad way. It's just like that's what it was. I almost feel like the steakhouse I ate at was an old west cattle drive. Like that's really what the <laughs> cool. it felt like, and that's. I guess that would have been a way better way to describe it from the get-go. It just came to me now to describe it that way. I know, because when Kim says Morton Steakhouse, I think of like fancy-dressed waiters 
Caesars, but then I go back to Cattleman's, which is like that Western style steakhouse, and they're all wearing jeans and flannel with yeah, belts. That's how it was here. Mm-hmm. That is a steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a steakhouse if you're not wearing jeans and boots. Was there more than one steakhouse in Snowflake? I don't think so. Okay, so <laughs> it just clicked what you just The one said. and only steakhouse in Snowflake you would recommend. Yes, and it was like definitely 10 out of like 10. Lo- locals go here. Okay, definitely. Okay. Unlimited baked beans? Unfortunately not. Unlimited salad? I'm wondering. Unfortunately okay, not. Okay, so you okay, had a I salad can... with the steak. Did you have a baked potato, beans, bread? I, I want to say they kind of had like <laughs> buffet-style things that you could come up and grab oh, nice. from. This was pre-COVID, but I want to say that there was like a soup that you could grab. Ooh. There was a salad bar wow. and some other things, and then you ordered your main entree. That's you amazing. sold me up. I want to go. Like, oh, my God, a buffet with steak and jeans and boots. I would like to go to Snowflake just for this steakhouse. Well, I'm glad we sold you on it. But you know what's really funny, the Santa, though, is how you keep saying Cattleman's. You've recollected my memory, and as a matter of fact, it actually was called Cattleman's mm-hmm. out there, but different mm-hmm. chain, even it's different than the one in our hometown area, the Cattleman's up there. But yes, now that you say that, like it literally dawned on me, it's called Cattleman's. I wonder mm, how I many steakhouses by the name of Cattleman's exist. I mean, it's a good name for a steakhouse. <laughs> it really is. Cattle man. That's what I'm telling you. It was like that cattle drive type feel. And that's really what it was. But we are rocking the steakhouse right here real, real hard when we should be on the national park. Well, you know say, what? Is- Episode on steakhouse is coming soon. Coming up. <laughs> and like I said, all of the dinner entrees include a soup and garden bar, which is the salad bar. Ooh. And they have fresh bread available upon request as Yum. well. So was I, was I wrong? Or then? does like the butter come on the side? I have no idea. So when Zana was saying earlier unlimited uh, like salad and I said no, I was wrong then. Yes, you were. Oh, that's so good. Mm. I stand corrected. See, it happens sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, we had dinner at Cattleman's and Snowflake stayed in the hotel, and then we woke up the next morning to go to Petrified Forest. And Petrified Forest National Park is really, really unique. I love it a lot. It is open year-round, but what makes Petrified Forest cool is if you understand just a little bit of what the word petrified means in a geological sense. And basically, you know, without going into too much of the science, like any old tree trunks or like organic matter that gets buried like in wet, moist dirt or volcanic ash, over time, there's a chemical reaction, if you will, that basically hardens and crystallizes these organic matters to turn into rock. So it's just crazy to me. I don't, I still, I, you just explained it, but I still just can't understand it. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, have you seen those rocks where you break the rock open and there's a whole bunch of crystals inside? Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's like that, but instead of a rock, it's a tree trunk. So when you, the tree trunk is cut, there's a whole bunch of crystals and that are like making up the trunk of the tree. Weird. Well, take me to a petrified tree. I mean, it's really wild. I mean, these trees out here, I mean, yes, they are like old ancient logs. It's taken millions of years for this reaction to happen, uh, to turn them this way. But realistically, it almost looks like these trees are really just like giant crystals in a way but you can still tell they're trees you can see the tree trunk rings amongst them and then they have different colors of the petrification of the wood itself so it's just really unique to see these 
geological structures. It's absolutely amazing. You know, to me, I love it because it's just, you know, energy is energy and all it is is changing form and changing energy. Metamorphosis. It really is. Absolutely. So I told you what the petrified wood actually is. Why don't you tell us a little bit more tips-wise about the park, Brittany? Because I got a little into it too early there, getting excited. So for anyone that has a dog, you can bring your pets on most of the trails in this national park, which is different from a lot of the other national parks. A lot of the other national parks, though, are open like 24 hours. And this park does have designated times that they're open from eight to five. And again, we're in the desert. So during the summer months, the high can be like 85, 90 degrees. And in the fall and winter months, it does drop below freezing. So just keep that in mind. It can get really cold out there. When we were there, like I said, it was in November and it was actually cold up there so it's like you know sometimes how the desert can be really cold we were there when the desert was really cold and it wasn't like that in saguaro but when you make your way up to petrified forest it definitely gets cold during the day out there even though it's desert landscape Hmm. and we also always want to respect mother earth so you can't remove any of the petrified wood or the crystals or anything because that's against the law did you want to though they were so pretty. Like, how can you not want to? But, but no, we would never But do definitely that. don't. It's bad karma. Yes. Oh, I was about to say, oh my gosh, you are going to be cursed so bad if you remove something where you shouldn't be removing it from. And another tip, though, we drove in from the south again, coming from Tucson and Saguaro National Park. There are two entrances into Petrified Forest. You can go in through the south, which we did, and then exit through the north. And I would recommend doing that because when you exit through the north, you'll end up on Interstate 40. And so that's a better way for you to get back to Phoenix after the fact than being on like a small highway on the south end and having to drive back up. So if you do go, I do recommend going in this order. That way you can leave on the north side. Nice tip. Did you guys enter with your America the Beautiful pass? I'm sure we did. We carry that pass with us (laughs) everywhere. We renew it every single year. So it has served us year after year. But also Jamal was mentioning that when we did enter the park, he would recommend the way that we went. And I would also back that and recommend that because one of the first stops is the visitor center and it's right next to a whole bunch of hiking trails with tons of viewpoints for these petrified logs. The first little hike that we did was called giant logs and it's very short. It's only about half a mile round trip loop. And It's some of the largest logs and most colorful logs with the crystals in the park. What kind of colors? Oh, there's whites and blues and reds and purples. It's it's just a rainbow of crystal color. And there's like even like dark browns and different shades of that, like red. It's really hard. I mean, you have those like really dark colors, but yet they have those bright colors to it too. It's really hard to describe without really having seen it. I'm actually really excited to post photos that we have so that our listeners can actually see what they look like. In the meantime, too, you can actually just go ahead and Google it. I mean, it really is amazing. But before we get too much more into the trails, I did want to say, I mean, I mentioned kind of the process of what makes the wood petrified. But what's really, really cool is the wood that's petrified here in the national park. Realistically, I mean, these tree trunks are originally 250 million years old, like when they were alive and eventually got covered. And at one point at this time when they were alive, 
they can pretty much figure out that at this point, Arizona was along the equator. <laughs> so well, like when it was part of Pangea and the supercontinent, it's moved its way up. So, I mean, that's really how long it's taken to create these petrified forests really that are now at the surface of the earth here in Arizona. That is crazy. That is so crazy. I can't even imagine Arizona at the equator. It was at one time. Wow. That was the start of the process to make these beautiful petrified forests that you see. I know. But wait, what, what's Pangea? No, Pan- I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna, I was about to tell you without even judging. But all I right, swear, good. I know what Pangea is. Um, it is when it's before it's when the earth was all one before it became one continent. In, yeah. Before it became into the eight continents that we just kidding. Seven. <laughs> I, was gonna I say, swear I, I know that it's seven. <laughs> I was just judging you a little bit when you said that. When I said that, I saw Brittany's eyes widen. I was like, I swear I'm kidding. I know that we have seven continents. But going back to the giant log trail, one of the tree trunks that is petrified is almost 10 feet wide at the base. And it's opened up and you can stand right next to it and see all of the crystal formations inside of it. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, so I definitely recommend checking out the giant logs first. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them in that area. It's 0.4 miles, so less than half a mile. And it's not even really a loop. I mean, you can just kind of go around really yourself in the whole area and explore or follow the designated trail. But it's definitely really interesting to see. One of the other hikes we did in this area was also called Crystal Forest, and it's less than a mile long, and it's also a loop, and it gives you some of the best opportunities to experience the petrified wood deposits with all of the beautiful crystals and just walk around this area. Yeah, it's a really cool loop, and that's one of the things about this park, too, is... I mean, yes, there's these trails, but this isn't a national park where you really go to do like major, major hiking. I mean, these are just little strolling trails to really see the features. And so you're just going to see all these different deposits of the petrified wood. And this crystal forest is a really cool one. Just, I mean, they're all really cool. So I'm going to pretty much describe them all that way. But everything that we're saying from the giant logs, crystal forest, and what we say going forward, there is one main road through the park, again, going from the south to the north. So we're mentioning these pretty much along the way as we're going north here. So crystal forest should be your next stop. You mentioned something just now. You said this isn't a national park where you come to do a lot of hiking. And I think that's a really good point you just made because I think that's a common misconception that people have around national parks is I'm not into hiking, so why would I go to a national park? Well, there are a lot of national parks in our system that are not really for big hikers. Absolutely. Yellowstone National Park was one where you just go and marvel at the natural wonders. So I think that's a really important point to make is our earth does these beautiful things naturally and national parks are preserving them so you can see them and experience them. It doesn't mean you always have to have an easy day where you hike to the cliff you're going to fall off of (laughs) like Brittany likes to do. That's usually the norm. But yeah, this one was a nice little break in terms of that and just really see nature and natural formations. I mean, like I said, these aren't actual hikes. They're little trails pretty much is really what they are. So a lot of them are wheelchair accessible. You can bring your dogs on them. So it's really easy to do and just do a whole bunch of these little stopping points and get a little break in the car too. Yeah, I like that. You can enjoy nature without having to do a strenuous Hike, hike or hike at all. 
Exactly. Question for you. When you were driving around, do they have bathrooms a lot of the times or is it kind of like a hold it thing? No, they do have bathrooms at some of the major stopping areas or overlooks. So there, the first stop was right near the visitor center. So there was a bathroom there. And then some of the other major drop-offs or hiking areas, they do have bathrooms. And when you pick up a map of the national park, when you first enter, it'll show where the bathrooms are along the way. Yeah. Cause this is like a normal national park in the sense, if you think of one going back to the analogy of like, you're doing hiking, you know, there's a trailhead, there's a parking lot. Usually at those, they have a restroom, even though like these aren't really ones to do legitimate hiking. There's still parking turnouts. They're major stop locations. So they do have restrooms at them along the way. Oh, good. That's good. So the next amazing stop along the way is going to be the Jasper Forest Overlook. And this is actually one of the largest deposits of petrified wood that they have in the park. And this is actually really, really cool. The petrified logs were actually uh, encased in sandstone bluffs, like this big kind of, I don't want to call it a mountain, but like really deserty rock formation at the top. And over time, it's eventually gotten weathered and they've fallen like into the... If I'm using the term valley below. So they were once at the top, but they've gotten weathered with erosion here and now they've all fallen. And you can even, if you want, make the hike down into the valley and go see them. Or you can just see that sandstone overlook and just see them all on the floor from the, the vista point. And that's what we did. We just took a look out into the landscape from the overlook and enjoyed the views from and the you, top. And you can see the colors from up there. You can't really see the colors from up there, but you can see how amazing it is for this to kind of be like a forest on the like tumbling over on the ground. And you can imagine as you're walking through down at the bottom, how amazing the colors would be. I have a question. Hit me with it. <laughs> the petrified forest. Can you touch them? Or oh, is yeah. it a Oh, big... yeah. Oh, you, you can, can definitely you touch, can touch them. them. Oh, we definitely touch them. I mean, they're smooth like you glass. You felt the yeah. girth of Oh, I, I felt logs. it all up. I mean, what, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it and be repetitive, but when Brittany was talking about, you know, the one at Giant Logs that was about 10 feet, I was about to make a girth joke, but <laughs> now that you you're bringing it. You can never have enough. Oh, girth. You, you can never have enough. That's very true, I guess. But yeah, no, you can touch them. They're smooth this glass they're really really cool to touch i want to get in there and start touching yeah and you could bring emma too kim i mean dog friendly so that's a cool feature about the park another stop in the national park is the agate bridge and what it is is a 110 foot petrified log bridge that spans a gully which is amazing to see because originally this massive petrified log that on the ground but because of centuries of floods and water it has washed away some of the sandstone beneath it and so it's formed a natural bridge and a, a gully is just imagine it almost like a little ditch of sorts so the water from when it rains snows you get like flash floods it's definitely created this ditch of sorts and since the wood is petrified and pretty much almost like stone that's not really moving the sandstone sand, below it yeah the sand moving. and earth below is moving so it's created like a natural ditch so this petrified log spans that ditch and that's why they call it the agate bridge but they at one point and by they i mean the national park service was worried about the structural integrity like it may actually fall so now they have actually supported it with concrete so you can't see it 
in its natural formation anymore. It's still there in the same spot, but they've supported it. But they do have a photo of it at the lookout point of what it used to look like before they've supported it. But it's still so cool to think like, okay, this didn't get weathered away because it's literally like glass stone sitting right here and all those centuries of erosion below it. It's just amazing, like the amount of time, the years and the circumstances to get something to be the way that it is today. Yeah. And that's what I really enjoyed a lot about this park and why I found it to be unique. You know, you just really are humbled by the length of time of Earth and just the natural way of things. You know, you go to a lot of other national parks and yes, you're out in nature, whether it be like the forests, mountains or wherever you may be. But this year you're looking at geological formations and it just gives you that humbling feeling of like, wow, I'm of this earth and how long has it taken to just create what I'm seeing right here. And it's so impressive. That's very deep. I try to be, <laughs> try to get deep. So our last major stop that we stopped off was called painted desert rim trail. You know, I love another rim job. Ooh. <laughs> And it's actually not a very long trail. It's only about a mile in length round trip. And the name of it just says it all. It's the painted desert. So we don't see a lot of the petrified logs in this area, but you go to this landscape that has these rocky badlands in the background and they're in every single color. They're in deep lavenders, grays, reds, orange, pinks, and it just looks like it's a painted that desert. sounds beautiful. It really is. And it's such a nice climactic finish too, because again, this is at the north end of the park if you're doing the south to north. So it's such a great way to finish and just really see, okay, well, I'm done with the petrified wood and the forest. And now I'm just looking at this beautiful desert landscape that is now multicolored. It's so, so amazing and breathtaking. So you heard it here from the squad. The best way to finish is with the rim job. <laughs> That's always the best way to finish. <laughs> My personal favorite way. And fun fact, guys, the Painted Desert stretches from near the Grand Canyon National Park to the Petrified Forest National Park. Wow. So you can't see the Grand Canyon from here, obviously, but that's just how long the Painted Canyon is. is it stretches from one national park to the next. It's just one badland area of these colorful rock formations. So pretty. Yeah, Amazing. it's beautiful. And then, okay, so how long were you in this park for? How many hours would you say we were in there, Jamal? Honestly, I wouldn't say more than four, if you want me to be honest, like between four and five. five? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good amount of hours to be spending in a park. Yeah. And, and there's more stops along the way. We just mentioned the main highlights. So if you want to do all of the stops that are listed, definitely do do it. But again, that's what we were saying with saguaro and petrified forest these are really just kind of one day parks and what i really loved about this national park is there's so many stopovers so you can get out stretch explore an area get in the car for a little bit then go to the next area and you just do that through the whole park and so you know a lot of the times we go to national parks and we're on a, like a two-hour drive with nothing else to do and this really broke up the drive mm -hmm. what kind of car would you recommend someone rent honestly you could be in just like a regular sedan car you don't need anything too rugged or anything like that i mean no you're jeep. out no no jeep <laughs> no really high mountains that you're going over a little steep inclines i mean you could be in a regular sedan but if you want something bigger for comfort by all means but you don't need anything it's not like you're going out rugged really out in the desert, you're always going to be on paved roads. Mm. And did you guys fly back on Sunday night or did you come back Monday morning and then hit up work? We flew back Monday morning and hit work back. I actually remember Ooh. you picked 
picked us up from this trip. And if this is when you were working in your office and you were so stressed about picking us up and getting to work on time. I think I remember that. I think this is the one where I was like, if you guys land after 7.30, I just can't pick you guys up anymore. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) I remember saying that once. You know, I was saying it earlier and I'll say it again. You really only do need the one day for each park uh, to see the majority of the highlights. So you can really do this trip in one weekend. So I would highly recommend doing that. You find a cheap flight out to Phoenix. You know, yes, there's a little bit of driving involved, but you definitely can make it happen. So do do it. Again, these are very underrated parks considering Grand Canyon steals the show in Arizona, but these ones are not to be missed in my opinion. I mean, Crystal's, a steakhouse, and a rim job. Sounds like a fucking solid weekend to me. Sounds like a fancy night too. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) And squad tip. If you guys want to spend longer in Arizona, you can also visit the Grand Canyon and see all three of Arizona's national parks during one trip. So definitely do check that out as well. And we also have an episode on the Grand Canyon. It's episode number eight, how to do the American Southwest in three days. Which we also have an itinerary for that as well. You can get on our website at travelsquadpodcast.com. Definitely go check it out. Zaina's been working really hard on the website and she's really proud of all the improvements she made to that page and the other pages. So definitely peep it out. I will say this, and I hate to burst your bubble, Kim, but I know you noticed we had no listener questions this week for questions of the week. So let me Where ask Where are you, my questions? So let me ask you ladies, do you have any questions for Brittany and I? No, I think for the fact that we didn't get any questions for this, it's just a sign that you guys got to go out and explore these two parks. They're waiting to be explored. It's underrated and not a lot of people know about them, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I guess we can move right on then. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We appreciate you. Keep the adventures going with us on social media, Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast. Tag us in your adventures and please, please, please send us in those questions of the week. And if you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please make sure to share it with a friend that will enjoy it too. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.